original investigators believe he murdered her. They yeah. just can't prove it. It's my first initial call to the private investigator working on my dad's case. My wife jumps up from the table and says, God, who is this man coming in the backyard? I divorced him because I couldn't trust him at all. He lied to me at the very beginning. He was living two separate lives. In the water about 30 yards away, and I identified it as it was a person. You are currently listening to season two of Ashes to Ash TV, What Happened to Carolyn Blankenfeld? Episode 21, Mythbusters. If you could just run me through what happened yesterday. Um, I filled the boat up. And then around 11.30 or so, we went and I took the boat at the dock by our house. And I drove the boat all the way down to the beach, close to our house, so she could put the dogs on and we could put the rest of the stuff on. So one thing that I think is really unique about the Carolyn Blankenfeld case is Chris Blankenfeld, her husband, has written out and spoken about many times on what happened on the boat that day. Not only did he write two letters to the family that outlined what happened, he spoke to the cops the day after the incident occurred, and he was recorded on audio talking about what happened. We rode around the bay for a while, and then uh, at one point, her and I both jumped out and had a little swim, and then got back in. And then we headed over to the point by the Navy base. It's not actually on the Navy base, it's the other side, the opposite side of the point. Okay. And we stayed there for a few hours. Okay. And we had lunch and watermelons. And I had three beers from the time that we first got on the boat. Okay. Until, and she was drinking a lemon vodka drink. And I don't recall how much she was drinking to. I don't, she wasn't impaired by any way. Okay. And even to further that, the police report also cites the incident and what happened that day. By having all this information, we're able to look at what he claims happened and actually try to test out some of those theories. One thing I wanted to do is do some experiments in the Bay to see if how he said things happened could have actually been based in reality. So I grabbed Victoria and Bree and we headed down to Florida. I think it's up here on the right, just a couple blocks. During the drive down to Florida, me and Victoria had carpool together. And during that carpool, I had told her that I was going to hire a swimmer down in Perdido Bay to swim in the water in the bay. And Victoria offered to swim in there and do some of the testing for us. When Ash initially asked you to swim the bay, what was your reaction. Well, I actually volunteered 
because I thought this would be fun. And I was kind of up for the challenge and I was excited. I also thought her stamina and because of her youth, she would probably be able to swim better and faster than Chris. And I thought that would be good for the testing because I wouldn't want to have somebody who was weaker than Chris because I felt like that would have skewed the results. The three of us rent a boat and drive out into the bay. Yeah, look at these red roofs. I'm trying to think of what they could see, you know? Didn't he see like a stable? He said, but I still don't know what that is. They said this here apparently is stables, some sort of, but I don't even see where you see that. See that right there? Is it a dark gray roof, maybe? Yeah, they said it was around here. I could never see it though, but I'm, it doesn't mean it's not there. Chris seems to hold pretty firm to the fact that at around 3 o'clock that they started to head home. We're heading back home around 3-ish, maybe. And I know that on my phone they had taken a picture of her right before she jumped in the water. Okay. Like she was sitting there and she just looked really pretty with her hat on. And I took a picture of her. So it would be directly after that time, the very last photos on that camera. We have this text message that he sent one of his friends, whose name is Keith, and it showed him and Carolyn on the boat together. And Chris writes in many of the letters that that was the last photo taken of her. From Chris's letter to my mom, Annie, and Bree, he says, The pictures attached were taken minutes before she and I went into the water. Texted a few of them to Keith right before. They are attached. Keith has our text from that day still. You should talk with him. We were having a fantastic day. He's saying three o'clock, the text went out at 4.15, so possibly he just didn't realize what time it was. But without that additional hour and 15 minutes, you really start to narrow down the time here. We speak to Doug, who was the first person to see Chris coming out of the water. We had just sat down to eat dinner. It was in the evening time, and my wife jumps up from the table and says, oh my God, who is this man coming in the backyard? So I went back, I dialed 911. It appears from the homeowners on Bobo Link Road, who Chris said that's where he came out of the water, said Chris came out of the water a little bit after seven. If you look at the police report, what Ferris says, who was part of Florida Fish and Wildlife, one of the main investigators on the case, is that he got notified after 7.13 that Chris had come out of the water. So I think when you look at all those times, I think 7.10 is probably a really great estimate for when Chris actually came out of the water. We compared the last picture of Carolyn with the recreated picture we took with Bree. And so now let's backtrack again to the photo. That photo was actually taken along the beach at the Tarkalan Preserve. There's a long spit of beach that kind of comes out and Chris and Carolyn would often go anchor there, kind of play in the water. He says that's the last photo of Carolyn taken. So we're talking about 4.15 in the afternoon. And then he said they started to drive the boat home. So at that point, we have to add a few minutes because even if they were working really fast, I think you have to realistically add like another five minutes to that. So now we're talking around 4.20 if they left the second that text was sent and headed into the middle of the bay. 
So at 4.20, I think is the earliest time possible that they could have gone into the water. And 7.10 is the latest time possible that 911 was called. So now when you look at that, we're really talking about a span of about two hours and 50 minutes. Victoria prepares to go into the water. When we actually got on the bay in the boat, uh, did you feel any differently than you did before when you initially volunteered? No, because when I first volunteered, I was excited. You know, your dad's double my age. I'm pretty athletic. I'm in shape. I'm scuba certified. I've grown up around the water. So I thought in my mind I was going to smoke your dad's time and totally crush him. Where they were in the bay is framed by Alabama and Florida. So he claims they went to the Alabama side for two hours and then swam towards the Florida side. He makes it sound like it was an all-day ordeal. He describes how the sun, he watched the sun go across the sky. Do you have any idea how long between then and when you were able to finally make it to shore? Forever. I watched the sun go from pretty high in the sky to really almost at the horizon for a long time. Um. And that's how I, when I was on my back kicking, that's how I could keep my bearing of which direction I was going because I was watching the sun go east. He describes how they paddled for hours in the wrong direction and then turned around and went to the Florida side. So he claims they went to the Alabama side for two hours and then swam towards the Florida side. The time frame seems a lot tighter and then how he's representing it. Bree steers the boat as Victoria preps. I had Googled how long it takes someone to swim a mile, and it takes an Olympic swimmer 16 minutes, and it takes a novice closer to 30 minutes. So the distance between where Chris said they went into the water and Baba Link Road is about two and a half miles. And so we thought if it takes a novice swimmer 30 minutes to swim a mile, and we're talking two and a half miles, right, that totals only about 75 minutes. And then we also thought probably being in open water with currents and other things, it would probably take a little longer. So our hypothesis of how long it would take to swim were ranging around two hours, but we really believed that Victoria was gonna kick that out of the water in an hour and a half or you know a little over an hour. We thought she was just going to kill it and get onto shore pretty fast. Ready? Yep. We wanted to represent what Chris said that they did that day. So the first thing that they did is they swam to the Alabama side. How you feeling? You feeling doable? I feel, I feel doable. I feel like it's super doable. Yeah. Then again, I have no idea. Right. No, I know. That's how. That's how I feel. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what it's actually. We got on the boat and I'm looking out there and I'm like, oh, these waves aren't that bad. It's you know. Yeah. This isn't gonna be that hard. Victoria jumps into Bardito Bay. Victoria begins to swim. When you actually got in the water and started swimming for a while, how did you start feeling then? 
Well, within the first five minutes, reality kind of hit me that it was nothing like I thought it was going to be. It was probably one of the most physically challenging things that I've ever done in my life, which I think says a lot because I've done a lot of crazy things. And it's crazy because I had you guys there with me and I was still absolutely terrified. Am I even, even making progress? Yeah. We keep sneaking towards you. For the first five minutes of swimming, I felt like I was making no progress whatsoever and the shore felt unobtainable. Like I didn't even feel like that felt realistic to get to the, what was that, the Alabama side? Yeah. I literally felt hopeless. I was like, holy shit. And then reality sank in of how terrifying that situation actually really is. When we put Victoria in the water, she started swimming to the Alabama side and we actually felt like we weren't going anywhere. We had dropped a pin where we started and she probably swam for about an hour and we did not even get over to the Alabama side. And the Alabama side is a lot closer than the Florida side. Yeah. You just How far do you think it's been? Uh, yeah, probably about a quarter. That's crazy. Victoria tried a bunch of different ways to swim. Like she tried to doggy paddle and she was basically like, there's no way that someone could doggy paddle through this. She tried to backstroke and the water kept getting into her mouth and eyes. When I was on my back kicking, that's how I could keep my bearing of which direction I was going because I was watching the sun go east. In the report, since your dad had said he floated on his back for a couple hours, I wanted to give it a try just to see what that even felt like. And then I was mixing up my stroke too in there because you get exhausted going the one way. But when I flipped onto my back, I was actually really kind of flabbergasted that one, it was much harder than being on my stomach because I kept on getting water up my nose and in my mouth and waves were crashing into my face. And then also it completely turned my body around. Like I was trying to do a backstroke and then I would come back up and you guys were on the other side and I was, I had backtracked. Hey Victoria, this way. This way? <laughs> you got turned around. What the fuck? When you're in that water, it feels like you can't go forward but then being on your back was totally pushing me in the wrong direction. And finally she just had to swim forward and kind of go into the water and swim and breathe and then go into the water and swim and breathe. So that was the pattern that was working to get her to go the fastest, but we still weren't making up much distance. And I had her on her back and I was side stroking her and side stroking, side stroking, side stroking her for hours. If his story is true, you're dealing with someone going through a great trauma. So maybe he thought it was hours and it was actually only an hour. But then that still only gives you an hour and 55 minutes to get back to Florida. And the issue with that is he has a person in tow. He is literally dragging Carolyn, which he says the entire time they're going to the Alabama side and she's still with him and alive when they start going to the Florida side. The report states, while towing Carolyn, she was acting as a navigator to keep them lined up with a four-story house with a horse barn on the Florida side. And it sounds like she goes quite a ways with him because he talks about how she was guiding them by making sure they were staying in the direction of a specific house. And we had this one house, this, this weird four-level house that they just built and we're kind of using that as a focal point to get to. 
and of course those are the written stories obviously he has told other people that the second she jumped off the boat she disappeared into the waves and the current but the written accounts and the police accounts he talks about her being alive for hours with him and he's having to rescue swim her we continued to watch victoria swim in the middle of the bay the whole time i was out there all i could think about is how badly i wanted water it was exhausting <sighs> <sighs> Holy cow. Yeah, this is amazing. I'm yeah. Like this. Me too. <sighs> yeah. It was one of the most physically demanding things that I've ever even attempted to try in my life. I continued to speak with Doug about his experience. Did you notice any coughing or like um, out of breath or? No, he did not seem like he was exhausted or from swimming or anything like that. He was just, you know, pretty much, um, he didn't collapse on the concrete. Like I said, he just slowly put himself down. I then questioned Victoria while she was in the water. What would you have thought when you got out of the water? And I'm asking this honestly. I'm not trying to be funny, but did you do you did you have any instinct that you wanted to like lay on your stomach, or did the you think that? No. Oh, okay. That's what I felt. Know. I felt like, but I wasn't sure. Oh, sorry to be such a. But God, no, no, that's, that was like. Yeah. I just wanted to get on the freaking. See, we're still in the same spot. Yeah. It's better than moving. Much. So another thing that I wanted to try out is what I call a float test, and that was to see how the pontoon reacted in the water if the engine wasn't running. Chris had stated that he had turned the engine off, and also Inglehart, who found the boat at his dock later that day, also said the engine was not going. When we put the boat in the bay where they said they were, and we just let it float, the boat really did not go anywhere. So you pinned right when she got out. How far have we floated? Probably about 250 feet. It's been how many minutes since I got out? 2.20 you got out. It is 2.33. So 250 feet in 15 minutes? Yeah. It kind of just stayed within like maybe a quarter of a mile, just kind of floating around really slowly. So obviously, you know, we're talking about two years previously, almost to the same date that they went out and very, very similar weather conditions. We tried to make sure these conditions were as close as humanly possible so that these results would be accurate. Weather conditions, average dat temp, May 2018, 76 negative, 2020, 79.76, max wind speed, May 2018, 15 dash, May 2020, 13, Sea level pressure, May 2018, 29.91, May 2020, 29.9. So the only other thing I could think of, well, maybe the current took the boat. But even when we watched the current patterns on the day that we were out and we put Victoria in the water next to the boat just to see if they would get separated, the boat and Victoria always floated in the same direction together. It was never that Victoria was going one direction and the boat was going another direction. Every time that she wanted to take a break, it was so easy to bring the boat over to her. Every time. Right. And it was choppy. It was choppy, but I was still able to get to her. They were kind of in the current at a little bit of a different pace. But what we found is was interesting is Victoria always felt comfortable like she could get back to the boat. It never got so far away that it, it, she was worried she couldn't get back. 
So it kind of seemed like they flowed together and it still seemed like the obvious option that if you jumped off the boat and got in trouble, that you would swim back to the boat because if you're in the same current and headed in the same direction, it seems like you'll much more likely reach the boat safely than reach either the Alabama or the Florida shore. It seems like it would have been the obvious choice. She probably swam for about an hour and we did not even get over to the Alabama side. And the Alabama side is a lot closer than the Florida side. So after about an hour, we kind of gave up and we told her to turn around and head to the Florida side. And when she started heading towards the Florida side, she swam for about two hours and maybe got half a mile. Which is crazy, because in my mind, because I was on the boat, I was like, if I'm swimming this way, it'll push me. When you started swimming towards the Florida side, did you find it more difficult, less difficult than swimming to the Alabama side? That felt even more impossible with how far away it was. And again, I don't think you can understand the magnitude of the situation until you're actually in the water and you're looking out at those buildings and they look like little speckles. Like it felt like it was going to take me eight, nine, ten hours to even have a shot at getting to Florida. I'd be interested to get an Olympic swimmer out here and be like, like Michael no, Phelps. Seriously. And be like, okay, how long does that take you? Mm -hmm. Because what if it took Michael Phelps three hours? Mm -hmm in open water because it just doesn't act like yeah a pool well not at all like yeah. these waves like again and in my mind when i was on the boat hadn't got in them they didn't look intimidating at all but when you're in there they actually do whack you in the face pretty good we were surprised because we thought victoria was going to make it to the beach in florida in no time instead of it being possible all of a sudden now we're thinking this swim isn't even possible in the amount of time he said and that's if someone's just swimming, not with a person in tow and not swimming to the wrong side of the bay. Like if you're just swimming to get to Florida, that that might not even be possible to do in two hours and 55 minutes. We look at the map and start to think of other possibilities. Right here uh, on the, where those like trees come out to there is a sandbar. Yeah. I wonder if you do get back in, if you're comfortable with that. Yeah. I want I want to see if you just swam there because that's always okay. what I was like. Why didn't he just swim there? Yeah, and at least get the fuck out of the water because all I could kept thinking is it just get me out of the water. Like yeah. I wouldn't want to be, and if there's no boats around. Right. Like even with you guys there, it's like it's intimidating, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I would just want to get the fuck on land. Yeah. So sometime after now we had been in the water for three hours and really hadn't got much more than a half a mile from where we started, we told her to swim to the Tarkalin Preserve. Within 30 minutes, she was on the beach at the Tarkalin Preserve, which really surprised us because that did, when we put her in the water, seem like the obvious place to swim to was the Tarkalin Preserve. But we wanted to do what Chris said he had done, which was swim to the Alabama side and then the Florida side. Victoria begins to walk easily along the sandbar. You're practically in the middle of the bay. <laughs> You're like in the middle of the bay. It's Was swimming to that easy? 
Yeah. And I feel like it was just because the waves were headed in that direction. And also, I don't know why, but it, for some reason it felt like a lot more tangible piece of land to get to. Because when you looked at the distance of the other two places, they felt like an eternity away. long do you think you walked on that for? Well, one, it was so refreshing just to be on my feet, but it was probably, I don't know, what do you think, like a half mile, three quarters of a mile? Like it was far, it felt really far. Like I made definite distance on that sandbar. And even past the point where we decided to stop, I felt like I could still keep going and my tiptoes, like I could still hit with my tiptoes or if I got tired, like you could bounce down and touch it. So I felt like you could still feel the ground. Which is nice when you need that break, because when we were in the middle of the bay, I couldn't feel any ground, and that's really scary. I think that it seems totally tangible, but someone doesn't understand until they try it. I mean, it was absolutely insane how wrong all the three of us were. I just really hope they reevaluate that entire situation and just look at the times and the numbers and the wind and all the different factors that go into this, because there's just no freaking way. No way. I agree. Next time. The crew jumps in kayaks. You want to lay on the ground? As I got out of the kayak, I laid on the ground in the same way Chris did to see how that would feel. take the boat out around the bay. Most people die from shark attacks in four feet of water. So I feel like it's about four feet, so if I don't come back. Ashes to Ash is created by Ash Patino, associate producer Kate Giordano, edited by Jenna A. Bush, co-host production manager Bree, crew members Montagna Samuels, Cole Ellers, Victoria Gockler, and Victoria is also our technical swimmer. Music score, David Patino. If you'd like to watch this content commercial free, please subscribe at ashestoashtv.com, A-S-H-E-S-T-O, ashtv.com. If you know of a legal activity involving this case, please reach out to your local law enforcement. If you'd like to follow us on Facebook, please go to Ashes to Ash True Crime on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Ashes to Ash TV. If you would like to give us an information or tip and you want to remain anonymous, please send me an email at ashland57 at gmail.com. A-S-H-L-A-N-D-5-7 at gmail.com.